Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Since the beginning of November, you've probably seen signs, cards, or bumper stickers that read, Happy Holidays! Or Merry Xmas. Perhaps you've seen some that have said Merry Christmas or others that have read Keep Christ in Christmas. You know, there are folks today that are doing everything they can to take Christ out of Christmas. Just a few years ago, there was a lot of controversy in a little town called Piedmont, Alabama. You see, the parade committee there had selected Keep Christ in Christmas as the parade's motto. But the Freedom From Religion Foundation called the choice alienating and unconstitutional. And a citizen stood up and complained about the theme and the motto that it alienates non-Christians and others in Piedmont who do not, in fact, have a strong belief in prayer by turning them into political outsiders in their own community. And the city was urged to choose a more appropriate theme that was more inclusive, and that uh, was more constitutional. You see, the parade committee ended up dropping the theme, Keep Christ in Christmas, as a result of one citizen complaint. You see, today there are those who will not say Merry Christmas anymore. You know, they'll say, we're taking Christ out of Christmas, and we're going to only refer to this time of the year as Happy Holidays, or it's the holiday season, or we may say Merry Xmas. You know, but this begs the question, is it possible to take Christ out of Christmas? I mean, when you say Merry Xmas, are you really taking Christ out of Christmas? Well, listen to these words by the late R.C. Sproul, and I quote, he says, X can mean so many things. For example, when we want to denote an unknown quantity, we use the symbol X. It can refer to an obscene level of film, something that is X-rated. People seem to express chagrin about seeing Christ's name dropped and replaced by this symbol for an unknown quantity, X. Every year, you see signs or bumper stickers saying, put Christ back in Christmas as a response to this substitution of the letter X for the name of Christ. But listen carefully. He goes on to say, first of all, 
you have to understand that it's not the letter X that is put into Christmas. We see the English letter X there, but actually what it involves is the first letter of the Greek name for Christ, Christos, in the New Testament. The first letter of the Greek word Christos is transliterated into our alphabet as an X. The X has come through church history to be a shorthand symbol for the name of Christ. There's a long and sacred history of the use X to symbolize the name of Christ. And from its origin, it has meant no disrespect. End of quote. You see, when you understand who God is, and when you follow Him in obedience, you realize deep down that whether you say Merry Christmas or Merry Xmas, you can never, ever take Christ out of Christmas. You see, Jesus is the reason for the season, as Barry mentioned a few moments ago. Not only is he the reason for the season, Jesus is the very reason for life. So for the next few moments, what I want to do is lay a few truths on your heart in a message that I've simply entitled, The Christ of Christmas. And I want you to notice carefully, as we move through this text, a number of individuals, and these individuals, you mark my word, without any question, they truly understood what Christmas is all about. Notice first a young lady by the name of Mary. I want you to see Mary's willingness. Mary's willingness. We find this in verse 18. Some 2,000 years ago, the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, was clothed in human flesh. Now, there are some today that try to deny his birth and his life, but not only does the Bible prove his existence, so do extra-biblical sources. As a matter of fact, in the year A.D. 93, the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus explained in his writings, listen carefully, and I quote, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ, end of quote. You see, you can deny the, the validity, validity of the birth and the life of Jesus, but here's what I want you to see. Your opinion does not change the truth. The truth will always be the truth. And prior to this miraculous event, prior to this happening, many, many would understand later that this young woman would have a vital role in changing history. You see, this young girl's name was Mary. Today, there are some religions that esteem Mary. I mean, they lift her up and put her right beside Jesus, and many would say that she is equal to Jesus. She's not equal to Jesus because Jesus is God, but she was indeed a great woman, a woman of faith. Now, the Bible doesn't say a whole, whole lot about Mary, but it does provide some information that is helpful for us to understand about her life. We know that she was related to Elizabeth. They were cousins. We also know that Mary was a young lady that found favor with God. But what matters most, listen to me, was her obedience to God. You see, therefore, if you don't see anything else or hear anything else about this, this is more than sufficient. Now, Matthew tells us that she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. She was engaged to Joseph to be married. Now listen to what John MacArthur says concerning the betrothal. He says a betrothal signifies more than an engagement in the modern sense. 
The contract was considered binding as soon as it was made. And the man and the woman were considered legally married. Even though the marriage ceremony and the consummation often did not occur until as much as a year later. So Mary, the Bible tells us, was a virgin. Yet there was something astounding about to take place in her life. The Bible says that Mary was found to be with child. How in the world was that possible? Now, although Matthew doesn't record any of the prior events, we can lean on another gospel, the gospel of Luke, and Luke provides many details concerning what led to this event. In Luke chapter 1, we learn that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and revealed to Mary God's plan. The angel said to Mary, you have found favor with God. That's a good thing, amen. It's a good thing to find favor with God. It's a good thing to have favor with God. But even in spite of that, Mary was perplexed. She was astonished. She was overwhelmed by this news. And she didn't understand how all of this was possible. She didn't understand how all of this was going to unfold. I mean, imagine what you would do if you were in Mary's shoes. And you were told this shocking news. And Mary questioned the angel, much like you and I would do. And she said, how can this be since I am a virgin? However, she never questioned whether or not the angel was sent by God. She recognized that to be truth. You see, for you, Mary, will conceive in your womb, you'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mary knew this was God's perfect plan. And you know what she did? She acted in simple faith and obedience. I want you to see her willingness. Although she was perplexed, she was astonished. She was overwhelmed. She knew that she had encountered God. You see, this would be a difficult path to walk, but Mary was willing to do whatever God called her to do. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. In other words, Mary said to God, God, I don't understand all of this. I don't understand the details as how all this is going to unfold. But what I am going to do is I'm going to trust you. I am your bondservant. I am your slave. I'm going to follow you in simple faith and obedience. You see, Mary had an encounter with God. What about you this morning? Have you encountered the living God? You see, when you come face to face with the gospel, you've encountered the living God, and you have a choice to make. What will you do with the Christ of Christmas? What will you do with Jesus? Like Mary, are you going to willingly follow God regardless of the stakes, regardless of what it costs? Will you be faithful and following and be willing just like Mary? You see, Christmas, unfortunately, is not about you. Ouch. That's going to shock some folks today. Maybe some that are here or some that are watching online because you've had the mindset all these years that Christmas is all about you. What am I going to get under the tree? What if I don't get the present I wanted? Hey, what if I don't get the Red Rider BB gun? You'll shoot your eye out, right? If you don't get that gift that you want, hey, it's going to be okay. Because Christmas is not about you. Christmas is about Jesus.
And what better time to respond and be willing and submissive and obedient to God than right now. You see, Mary, her life was unique. The virgin birth, don't overlook that. Don't skip that. Now, I've preached to the point of my message, but I can't overlook the virgin birth. Why? Because there's a lot of folks today, there's a lot of cults today that'll say, oh, it don't matter what you believe about the virgin birth. Did you know the virgin birth is what sets Christianity apart from all the other religions? You see, all the other religions, they try to work their way to heaven. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do all of these things, and, and then maybe, maybe one day you'll get to heaven. But Christianity is the opposite of that. God left heaven, and He came to earth, and He was clothed in human flesh. He was born of this virgin right here that we're looking at, Mary. And we see in her life her willingness to follow God in obedience, regardless of of what it costs. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And although Jesus had an earthly mother, God was His heavenly Father. And the virgin birth is what makes Christianity unique. As a matter of fact, I love Dr. Adrian Rogers. He's going to be with the Lord. But listen to what he said concerning the virgin birth. He said, I wouldn't give you half a hallelujah for your chances of heaven if you deny the virgin birth. You see, if there is no virgin birth, there would be no sinless Christ. No sinless Christ, no atonement, no forgiveness, no forgiveness, no hope of heaven. No hope of heaven, we would all die and go to hell. Thank God for the virgin birth. If you take away the virgin birth, listen to this, the whole house of Christianity collapses like a house of cards. End of quote. You can't deny the virgin birth and claim to be a Christian. It's a foundational doctrine of the faith. So what we see in Mary's life here was her willingness, her willingness to follow in faith and obedience, and we learn that she did just that. And likewise, you and I must be willing to do the same. Notice secondly this morning, not only do we see Mary's willingness, I also want you to see Joseph's obedience. Now Joseph, the Bible tells us, he was an upright man. He was a man who wanted to do the right thing. A lot of you are like that. I've met folks like that. I want to do the right thing. But doing the right thing is not going to make me right with God. But I still want to do what is morally right. And although he loved Mary, due to her pregnancy, he could not follow through with the marriage. Imagine what you would have done if you would have been in Joseph's shoes. I mean, he had not had any sexual relations with Mary. So there must be another person involved. There must be another man involved. Can you imagine for just a moment... What Joseph must have been thinking. What was swirling through his mind. I mean, this was a serious offense during these days. And unlike today where people make light of premarital sex and pregnancy before marriage, during these days, such an act violated the law. You know what the punishment was for this? Death. Death was the punishment. And when the news got out that Mary was pregnant... Both Mary and Joseph would be shamed. So instead of bringing any harm on Mary, do you know what Joseph did? He had compassion for her. He had compassion for her. And he chose not to disgrace her, but to write her a letter of divorce and send her away secretly. 
And by doing this, she would not be made a public spectacle, and therefore she would not be stoned to death. Although this was Joseph's plan, <laughs> God had another plan, amen? How many times have you and I said, well, i got my plan all made out. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And you do this and this, and then it's like, oh, no, no. You're not going to do that. You're going to do this. Joseph had his plan made, but God had another plan for Joseph. God sent an angel to Joseph. The angel appeared to him in a dream. The angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid, listen to this, to take Mary as your wife. You see, the angel told Joseph that Mary had not been unfaithful, but that she had found favor with God, that she was a willing vessel, and that she would bring about the only begotten Son of God. God's perfect plan was revealed. God revealed the name, the name of Jesus. You shall call His name Jesus. What else? He will save his people from their sins. And then we learn in Luke's gospel that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know that. You've seen that as we've been moving through the gospel of Mark from the outset. We've understood the purpose for why Jesus came. But notice Joseph's response. Look at verses 24 and four, uh, 25. The Bible says, And Joseph awoke from his sleep. Listen to this and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife. What did Joseph do? He followed through in obedience. What a testimony of faithful obedience. Hey, you want to look for an example to follow? Somebody that followed God in obedience? Look to Mary. You'll see her willingness. You'll also see in her willingness her obedience. Look to Joseph. You'll see Joseph's obedience. But notice thirdly, I want you to see the prophet's faithfulness. The prophet's faithfulness. We find this in verses 21 and 22. Now verse 21 explains the purpose for which Jesus came. He will save his people from their sins. God's plan of redemption was not something that was drawn up overnight. It wasn't an afterthought. This has always been the eternal plan of God. And the remarkable thing about God's plan is that He chose to reveal it to mankind through mankind. I mean, Jesus could have just appeared. But no. He was born just like you and just like me. John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And in verse 14, the Bible says, The Word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelled among us. And I love this. And we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The prophets spoke concerning this wonderful plan. Long before you and I were ever thought of, Long before the foundations, listen to me, long before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God chose human beings to reveal this miraculous, marvelous, wonderful plan. Some seven years before Jesus 
would fulfill that prophecy that I just quoted from John 1.14 and take on human flesh, there was a prophet, another faithful man of God by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah gave a prophecy concerning this. He was a man of God. He wasn't seeking accolades. He simply desired to be used by God. And he chose also to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, when you study Isaiah's story, you can read this in the first few books of uh, first few chapters of the book of Isaiah. But in Isaiah chapter six, listen to what this says in his testimony. The, he saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. And then the Bible says in verse two, listen to this: Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew, and one called out to another and said, listen to this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah, listen to his words. He said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips. Let me translate that for you. I'm a sinner and so are you. Amen? I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah recognized, listen to me, God for who He is. He didn't question. He recognized God and he also recognized who he was in light of who God is. God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. I'm a man of unclean lips. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I go and who shall I send? Isaiah responded and said, Here am I. Send me. I'm willing, Lord. I'll go. I don't know about anybody else. I'm not concerned about anybody else. You've called me, I'm the willing vessel. Send me, Lord, I'll go. And he too responded in faith and obedience. So we see the prophet's faithfulness. Isaiah also spoke of the remarkable event that took place in the little old town of Bethlehem. I've been there. Got to stand right there in Bethlehem. Right there. Now, I don't know if Jesus was born over on that spot or over there, but I was right there. Listen to me. Don't tell me Bethlehem's not real. I mean, we can do that today. We can look at places or hear about things and we'll say, well, I don't believe that. I'm not going to believe that unless I can see it. Somebody may say, well, I don't believe Bethlehem is real. It's real. I've been there. My feet have stood on the soil there in Bethlehem. That this prophet 700 years before Isaiah, um, before Jesus was born, Isaiah spoke about. So he was faithful and he penned a wonderful prophecy concerning the Messiah. Now, I don't want to read into the text here, but something else stands out to me as I read this account, and that's Matthew's faithfulness. One writer explains that Matthew's purpose in writing, listen to this, is to prove to the Jewish readers that Jesus is the Messiah. He does this primarily by showing how Jesus in his life and ministry fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, end of quote. You see, Matthew faithfully relied on the prophets of the Old Testament. 
And this prophecy from Isaiah is the first of 47 quotations that Matthew takes from the Old Testament. So yes, the prophets faithfully pen the words that you and I have today. However, we've got to keep in mind that the word of God is not mortal man's opinion. Mortal man penned these words, but yes, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's why I say time and time again that this is the only perfect thing that your hands will ever touch this side of heaven. The Word of God is inspired. It's infallible. It's inerrant. If you and I can't trust the Word of God, what can we trust? If we can't trust God, who can we trust? This Word stood the test of time. There's been people throughout history that have said, I'm going to do away with the Bible. I'm going to do away with the Word of God. You know what happened when they did that? The Word of God prospered. The gospel advanced. The Word of God is living. And we see prophets like Isaiah and Matthew that were faithful in proclaiming the goodness of God. Notice fourth and finally this morning. We've got Mary's willingness, Joseph's obedience... The prophet's faithfulness. But I also want to tie this back in to the first point. Not only do we see Mary's obedience, we also see Jesus' obedience. Now for time's sake, I can't explain every detail of Jesus and how he obeyed perfectly God's word. His heavenly Father's word. But I can give you a few scriptures that will help us to better understand this. Write these down if you will. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Peter 2.21 and 22 For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Can you imagine that? He never said, thought, or did anything that displeased his heavenly Father. I can't even go a day without doing that, without breaking that commandment, right? Without saying, thinking, or doing something that's displeasing to my heavenly Father, but not this Jesus, not the Christ of Christmas. Then verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, listen to this, yet without sin. However, when you think about Christmas or Xmas and what it's all about, you've got to realize that everything I'm talking about this morning centers on the person of Jesus. Can you imagine what Christmas would be like without Christ? Can you even take Christ out of Christmas? You see, this is the time of the year when we focus on the birth. You'll see the manger in the slide there. You've probably got a manger scene set up at your house somewhere, be it in your yard. We've got one sitting out in the front yard. And that's what we think about and that's what we focus on at Christmas time. And, and we often make the story so, so sweet. The little babe was born in a manger. 
I mean, it's not like a manger that children are born in today, a bed that they're born in, amen? You know what kind of manger this was? A feeding trough. It's where the cows and the, the barn animals slopped and ate out of, right? It wasn't nice and neat and clean like we like to dress it up and make it be. And we focus on that story. But listen to what one author explains, and I quote, The story of the birth is only significant in relation to his sacrificial death. End of quote. You see, the gospel involves so much more than a baby being born in a manger. I mean, if that was all there is to the story, we might as well close up our Bibles and go home. I mean, it'd just be a nice story. The babe born in a manger. But listen to what the Bible goes on to say. Not only was he born in a manger, yes he was, but the Bible goes on to say in Philippians chapter 2, listen to what else he did. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. Being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, you can't think about Christmas and just remember His birth. Christmas is about the gospel. And this little babe that was born in a manger, yes, He was born, but He was born in order that He might die. For who, Pastor? For me. For you. For everybody that's watching online. Jesus died. For you. He loves you this morning. And the gospel is not only about the birth. It's about the life. It's about the death. It's about the burial and the resurrection of King Jesus. You see, this is what Christmas is all about. And when you understand who God is. And when you faithfully follow Him in willingness and obedience you'll realize deep down that, that whether you say Merry Christmas or whether you say Merry Xmas, hey, I'll take it a step further. Whether you say Happy Holidays or the holiday season, all of it is about Jesus. He's the Christ of Christmas. Perhaps you're ready to celebrate Christmas. But if you're honest, you'll say for me, Jesus isn't the center of Christmas. I mean, I've got my tree set up. I've got all the presents around the tree. But right now, if I'm honest, the farthest thing from my mind is a person named Jesus. Hey, there's no better time than right now to change that. But I can't change that for you. Only God can. And I believe He'll do it this morning if you come to Him in a willingness and faithful obedience. I mean, you can leave this service this morning, be it here or online, knowing that you're a changed person. That the Christ of Christmas has come into your life and changed you not only today, but for all eternity. Why are you so passionate about this, preacher? Why, why are you so excited about this? Because I know the change that Jesus has made in my own heart. And I understood these words that were uttered to me many years ago. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the Bible says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came and was born in a manger. Because of his love for you and me. Why did he do this, Pastor? Because you and I, like Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born, we are men and women of unclean lips. And we've encountered the living God. And we've got to recognize what the Word of God says, that we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So what you and I get as a result of our sin is not only physical death, but eternal separation from God. But Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ was not just born, but He died for us. He died in our place. And the good news of the gospel this morning, the good news of this Christ, of Christmas is that you can be a changed person by turning from your sins and trusting Him with your life. You've simply got to recognize who you are and who God is. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. You see, God will save you and God will help you to see that this Jesus is the Christ of Christmas. That's for those who were not yet in Jesus. Who were not yet in Christ. But, but what about us? And what about those that are watching that know Jesus in a real and personal way? Let me just ask you a simple question. This Christmas, is it all about the Christ of Christmas? Hey, not just this Christmas, but today... And if the Lord gives you tomorrow, will that day be all about Jesus? That's the true meaning of Christmas. It's about the Christ of Christmas. And if you do not yet know Him, my prayer today is that today will be the day that you say yes to Jesus. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.